want to go beyond the rink and into the dressing room, there's only one place to be. With a hockey reporter who was once mistaken as an NHLer by Jeff Finger and a diehard Maple Leafs fan who has not one, but two Ken Baumgartner jerseys. This is the Hockeyverse with Michael Trakos and Johnny Legend. Tighten your chin strap. This could get ugly. All right. Oh, boy. Where do we start? Kyle Dubas is gone. Jason Spezza, gone. Sheldon Keefe is almost certainly gone. And there are no guarantees that Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, or William Nylander will be back. I didn't see this coming, folks. I don't think anyone did, including the Leafs. These are uncertain and, quite frankly, unfathomable times for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Someone screwed something up big time. And depending on what happens this summer, it could send, set the franchise back years or even decades. Now, for a team that finally made progress and won around, I know, around, it's embarrassing and frustrating and, frankly, inexcusable. But it's not surprising. One step forward, two steps back. That's the motto, isn't it? Well, it should be. The Leafs just completed their best season in almost two decades, and as a result, they parted ways with their GM, then lost Spezza, who was thought of as the GM in waiting, and are surely going to be without their head coach. Worse, there's now talk that Matthews may or may not resign, and maybe that Marner or Nylander will be traded. It all depends on who Brendan Shanahan, who somehow managed to keep his job amidst this succession-like power struggle, hires to run the team. Will it be St. Louis's Doug Armstrong or Carolina's Eric Tulski or Brad Tritt Living or Ray Shiro? I don't know. One of those guys. And who's going to be the coach? Well, whoever it is will take over a team that is very much at a crossroads. To say that this is an important summer for the Leafs is an understatement. What happens next could define whether this team builds on what they accomplished this year or reverts back to that Burke and Nonus era of disappointment. With that and much, much more on today's episode of the Hockeyverse. You just found the world's latest and greatest hockey, sports, and entertainment podcast. This is the Hockeyverse. On today's post-mortem episode, we discuss why Kyle Dubas is no longer the GM and look ahead to what is a monumental summer for the Leafs. We're also joined by longtime Canadian press reporter Greg Strong, who explains why this is a difficult time to be a Toronto sports fan. By the way, check out our show notes for time spamps if you want to fast forward to your favorite part. Also, if you want to be on a future episode just like this one, email your questions to heyhockeyverse at gmail.com. Oh boy, it is going to get messy. Yeah, I didn't see this one coming, Johnny, as I said. I don't know if you saw it coming. I know you were talking about you thought Dubas was going to be fired, even though I was saying I couldn't imagine a scenario. I, you actually were thinking this was going to... Well, I think, is this, is, I think is this coming up according to plan for you? Well, where I can't remember what episode it was, but I said, I think he's already fired. Remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe episode one. <laughs> yeah. You've never been a fan, have you? Well, you know what? I, here's the thing. I wasn't. And then when I saw him getting all like excited and arguing with fans and throwing water balls, I'm like, maybe that's the guy. Yeah. I, I, I've... I don't want to say I've never been a fan, but I became a fan after the trade deadline this year. Mm. And, you know, I thought he was in a difficult spot. Um, he didn't give up a whole lot. And I thought he, you know, gave this team every shot it deserved uh, by getting Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Shen, Nolachari, 
Uh, really, the list goes on and on and on. And I thought the goaltending moves he made in the summer um, actually were decent moves. So, yeah, to, to think that this team's going to go forward without um, Kyle Dubas, I'm not so much concerned over, oh, um, the genius is no longer going to be um, running things. I'm just kind of concerned as to, is Kyle Dubas getting blamed for the fact that Austin Matthews couldn't score in the second round? I don't think he is, because if you listen to Brendan Shanahan, he flat out, like, it was a press conference. You, you never see, like, the press conference is usually a bunch of um, just bull crap. And then you got to find out through like rumors and stuff what actually went on. When Brendan Shanahan just went up and spilled the beans, he said everything that went on. Nobody had to do any research. Yeah. Well, I did some research. And from my research, Brendan Shanahan said what he said because he was completely caught off guard by what Kyle Dubas said. And Kyle Dubas saying that he doesn't know if he has the stomach for this, if his family has the stomach for it, um, very much changed how the Leafs went forward. Yeah, that was the nail in his coffin. Yeah, and I I don't know what he was um, trying to accomplish, but the end result is the Leafs didn't feel like they could trust him going forward. Um, And when Dubas tried to, you know, know, revert back on what he said and tried to come to um, some sort of agreement where, you know, both sides would be happy, the damage was done. And... Unfortunately, this is going to trickle down into everything that happens this summer. Yep. So and who's going to do it? And, and that's the thing. If there was a guy out there like a Kyle Dubas where you're going, oh, this, this guy's even better than the guy they had. Then you're saying, okay, well, I don't care that Dubas is not going to be at the, uh, at the helm anymore. So like when the Leafs went from Fletcher to, uh, Fletcher, uh, to Brian Burke, there was a feeling like, okay, Brian Burke is exactly what the Leafs need right now. Or when the Leafs went from, um, I think it was Dave Nonis to Lou Lamorello again, it was, okay, Lou Morello is, uh, he's going to bring in a different culture. But right now you're going, Brad for living? Doug Armstrong? Mm-hmm. And how, speaking of Lou Lamorello, I saw a thing, you know he traded when he was with the Leafs, he traded for Hagee? He traded for, yeah, for Hagee was nothing though at the time. No, he's not, but look now. Just like I said before the playoffs started, I thought Freddie was the guy. I always thought Freddie was the guy. Yeah, it, it's difficult, though. Like, you, you look at, like, a Zach Hyman. Well, why did Florida trade him, right? Mm. They traded him for nothing to, to the Leafs. Like, a lot of guys need that uh, change of scenery. And I could tell you, I covered Carter Verhage from the time he was drafted to when he was a Marley to uh, every kind of prospect camp. No one saw this coming. Not not, not the Leafs, not, not anyone. Sometimes the... Uh, uh, switches flipped. Um, but I don't know. That that's an argument, though. I I read a story this uh, week about uh, should the Leafs have hung on to Lou Lamorello over Kyle Dubas, and what what does that alternate universe look like? And the one thing that was brought up is that you Lamorello wouldn't have been taken to the cleaners by all these guys and their contracts. No, no, definitely not. Like the holdout by Nylander, um, I think Lamorello would have just sent him to Robita Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, uh, you know, the one mistake that Dubas probably did make, and I hate calling it a mistake because I, I like the guy, is signing John Tavares. And it was a deal at the time where I think everyone praised it, but looking back now, it, it probably sunk the Leafs. Yeah, you're looking back now, but the thought process in the deal is let's get – 
Tavares now, win the cup in two years. Win multiple the, cups. Yeah. <laughs> in two, three years, and then he can kind of fade off into the sunset as a two-time Stanley Cup champion on the wing. It was like when they signed David Clarkson and Dave Nonis uh, famously said, we're not worried about year seven. We're worried about uh, year one. <laughs> year one was terrible. Year one was terrible. <laughs> Didn't he get suspended yeah. like in preseason for half the season? Yeah, it was John jumped Sc- off the John bench. John Scott was uh, getting in a fight with Phil Kessel, and Kessel was whacking him with the stick, and then uh, Clarkson jumped off. And yeah. ever since then, it wasn't just a different thing. But it's funny though, like like a lot of the comparisons between the Leafs are always the Capitals and how long it took Washington to win. And I was looking at this and. Um, because Kyle Dubas has already met with Sidney Crosby, so it's almost like jumping from one uh, scenario where you've got some star talent and a star core to another. But you look at it, like George McPhee was the guy that um, drafted Alex Ovechkin, and you know he went to a Stanley Cup final. Um, it was a team that was always good in the regular season. But then he leaves, and the Capitals get Brian McClellan as their GM, Again, how many people know that Brian McClellan is the GM of the Washington Capitals? His first move is bringing in Barry Trotz. Three years later, they win a Stanley Cup. So maybe history is going to repeat itself in Toronto, but... Yeah, maybe it's going to be a guy like Brian McClellan who no one really knows that much about, doesn't think that highly of, but he brings in a Joel Quenville. And I think that might be the bigger move is, forget about who the GM is. Who's going to be coaching this team? Well, Joel Quenville's got to get permission to come back into the NHL. I think he'll get after it. all that, I know he's working on it. But I, I mentioned Joel Quenville in before the playoffs started, just when we were talking about who would replace Kyle Dubas. I think we had an episode. Or Sheldon Keith. No, Quenville. You think Quenville for the GM? No, you said Dubas. You said Dubas. I'm saying uh, he'd replace. Oh, did Kyle I say? Oh, yeah, Keith. Keith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Dubas on the brain. Yeah. I, I like Quenville as a, a guy that could, you know, help this team get over the hump. Like, he's won multiple cups with Chicago. What about uh, Quenville? I know the stain and, is hurting him because of the, the Kyle Beach stuff, but. What about Quenville and Stan Bowman together as a package deal? I don't think the league's going to go for that. They won't and let I, them I hang out? They won't I let them hang out again? I don't think so. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one because Stan again. If you're looking just at results, fine. But now we're in a... Optics. We're, we're in a you're climate. In optics, yeah, we're yeah. in a climate now where you bring in both guys and you're just like, ooh. I'll put it this they way. Both, the, like, willingly turned a blind eye the to peop- stuff the peop- that was going on. The people that were protesting aren't really Leaf fans anyway. What do you mean? <laughs> like the people that would be protesting if they hired both of those guys, they wouldn't be Leaf fans anyway. You don't think so? No, they're... Oh, it's a different climate. You've got to be cognizant of that. And it's not even Leaf fans that you probably push away. It's the sponsors. And, yeah, I, I can't see hap- that happening. Quenville, on the other hand, I think you can get away with uh, a Joel Quenville. And I don't know who's going to be running things. But, I, honestly, I like Ray Shiro as the option. Uh, the guy, you know, I talked to Ray about uh, taking over in Pittsburgh. And he said, um it's an honor having a Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and a Chris Letang uh, as your roster, but it's also a huge responsibility. He goes, you're not just trying to win a cup for yourself. He goes, you're trying to make sure that these guys' legacies are cemented. Yeah, you don't want them to fade out and 
Yeah, so he took it as place. a huge responsibility. Like, hey, I've got to get these guys, make sure they've got the Hall of Fame resumes that they're on the Mount Rushmore of hockey. And um, that I think that's the mentality they have to take with this is like, you've already wasted a lot of time um, in Matthew's career and Martiner's career where you're going, okay, one playoff round win, as good as these guys are and as great of a team this was, it's unexpected. It's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and the scary thing is they had him. He was coming back. Dubas was their first choice. Yeah, until and he shot himself in the foot. Now I, I know you don't think that the D, the GM thing matters, but already there's talk that you know with Dubas gone and a lot of uncertainty that you know Matthews went from about ready to sign a contract and a long time extension to now you know being really iffy and now they got to sell him on it again. So it opens up. He can sign after the first, but when is that window closed? Can they? It, it doesn't close until his contract's up. Okay. Yeah. But here's the thing. A lot of players do this. You can sign me up until training camp. Till the season starts, yeah. And then after that's that. What, that's what I mean by the window. So they got that much time to sell him. Theoretically. And Johnny Goudreau did that. He said, hey, once the season starts, we're not talking contracts. You guys had your your chance. Now all the, the leverage is in my hands. And what did Johnny do? He left where they could have had him. Destroyed the Calgary Flames. And then he leaves, and then Kachuk leaves. So, you know, that's the thing. Matthews leaving might be the first domino to fall where you're going, okay, now Marner is not sure if he wants to hang around by himself and take all the pressure. Okay, let's play this game. Matthews isn't going to resign. What do you do? You trade him. You trade him now. Four. Well. Because everybody knows, everybody knows that you got to do it. On Twitter. Right? So you're not getting that Austin Matthews, Braden Shen? You were trading for Braden Shen? No, and and somebody else. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) No, you did not just say that. (laughs) Braden Shen? No, no, I'm joking. He's old now. I know. Why would you trade him for Braden Shen? I wouldn't. I'm joking. Okay. (laughs) God. How about, okay, Matthews for Chicago's number one overall pick. Well, that's a no-brainer. But would Chicago do it? If you're Chicago, would you rather have the guy that's a guarantee shirt thing and doesn't need a year to step in? It can already just come in and score 60 goals? Or are you going to go with Connor Bedard? But you always want that guy. Which guy? The guy who you don't have to worry about. Like, you know Matthews is going to do it. Yeah, but... He also cost you uh, eleven or probably thirteen million by mm-hmm. next year. Versus oh, the Leafs are going to have to pay some of that money, no uh, matter who they trade it. No they, ma- but you can't though because um, you can't uh, take on a contract that hasn't uh, taken effect, right? Well, this twelve. I mean, you're going to have to trade them before the season, so you're going to have to take on a piece. But Chicago of this. doesn't care about the money; like they're. They're not even close to the salary cap, uh, the the top of the cap. Because you'll have the no trade kicks in, right? Who's no trade? Clip? Doesn't his no trade kick in on the first? I think they both have Marner and Matthews. Both have Ma- a no trade. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, Matthews is going to be up in a year, though. Like we're talking, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about the no trade. The thing is, would you take if you're Chicago? You're taking a guy who's got uh, salary and is a ready-made star. Um, and Toronto's taken a guy in Bedard, uh, who'd be the number one pick, who's on an entry level contract. So there, it, it makes sense. Now the only question is, Toronto probably has to offer something more to sweeten the pot. Oh, hundred percent. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Salary, but 
Yeah, well, probably another player or probably and another who? pick. Maybe they have to give up another first-round pick even to, to make that one. Does Chicago need a goalie? Matthews and Murray? Yeah. <laughs> if you're trading math, I don't know if that's sweet in the pot, though. <laughs> no, then you have to give up another pick to, to make them take that. But I don't know. Like The fact that we're talking about Matthews possibly being traded... What a freaking disaster! Well, you have to, you have to, it, you have to look at it realistically. If he's not going to sign here, you got to get something for him. Uh, exactly. Imagine right? you can't lose him for nothing. So we're not talking like we want to trade him to get rid of him. We're talking in the event that he doesn't want to play here, you got to get something. I think you have to know by the end of the summer if Matthews is resigning or not, and if he's not resigning, you have to pull the trigger before. Um, it gets to the point where you just lose him for nothing. If he doesn't re-sign on the first opportunity after the first, I don't think he will. Yeah, and that's why it's paramount. Like, we're, we're at the end of May here. Um, the Leafs have a draft to figure out, and they've got Matthews to figure out. And, oh, yeah, they've also got, like, 12 to 13 guys who are coming up on UFA status this summer. So they, they almost have to fill out half their roster. <laughs> it's going to be a big, busy year for whoever's taking over this job. Yeah. It's like hit the ground running. Yeah, but then you got to look at it the other way. They might want you might get a better GM because they're like, "Hey man, build your team." And and that's the that is the sweet thing uh that you can kind of offer. This isn't uh when the Edmonton Oilers were looking for a GM, that, that was the one of the main complaints is like, "Yeah, okay, you got McDavid, you got Drysaddle. You're also handcuffed by a salary cap where you can't really add anything." Toronto's still in a position where they're going to be up against the cap before they uh, sign anyone else. But at least you're starting with young guys who are under contract. And, um, you know, you still have that option of you can trade a Nylander or you could trade a Marner. You could pull some sort of move. I'm just kind of curious, like, are you done with now with the score? Like, have you seen enough or can you nibble on the outside? I know I asked the same question to Dave Alter, and he was like, no, no, no. Someone from the core has to answer for this. It can't just be, you know, replacing the David Camps and uh, the Alex Kerfoots and guys of that ilk. And maybe it was Dubis that answered for it. So that's enough, eh? Maybe. Well, no, but how about you? Like, what do you think? I mean, it's hard. You're going to trade a good player for an equally as good player. Why not just keep them together? Well, it's it's a different flavor of a player. Like we're not saying that these guys aren't good players. It's just the fit might be wrong. And instead of having, you know, three or four superstars, if you include Tavares there, um, all skilled guys, all pretty much play similar games. When you're talking about none of them bring any grit to the table or physicality, um, maybe you maybe you swap one out for uh, a Zach Hyman type. Um, maybe you swap one out for a defenseman that can take some of the pressure off of a Morgan Riley. Maybe you go out and you, you get that goalie that's been there. The only thing is, I just don't see any options like readily available. And, and who knows? May, maybe there's a trade to be made. Like we didn't see the Matthew Kachuk for Jonathan Huberto trade. No one was predicting that. No, Huberto wasn't on the market, and yet that trade happened. So. It's going to take some creativity, and I know you're getting a, a guy from St. Louis, and you're mentioning Braden Shen. 
fine. <laughs> I'm not going to let you live this one down. The guy's 31 years old, man. That's old now. But he's a St. Louis guy. Maybe you grab a guy from St. Louis. Maybe you trade a Marner for a, um, a Robert Thomas. Maybe that's just a different look. Mm, you think that's enough? Or maybe you get a Colton Pareko. Like, maybe not for those guys, and Marner specifically, but maybe that's the kind of guys you start targeting. Some guys with a little bit more sandpaper. Um, I know Pareko was on the Leafs' radar a long time ago. Um, I like him as a defenseman, but that that's the thing now. It's like, and I think that was the um, one of the points that Brennan Shanahan was making is that you know, it's not that Kyle Dubas did a bad job or we we don't like the teams that he was putting. It was just like it didn't we work. need something different. Yeah. yeah, it didn't work. And even by adding the, the Ryan O'Reilly's and guys of that nature, wh- whatever the reason was, th- the fit wasn't there. So maybe like what you keep talking about, maybe you got to get a Connor Hellebuck. Or yeah, what about, yeah, Connor Hellebuck or even what about adding two simple pieces? Mm-hmm. That you wouldn't think of like Corey Perry and Tom Wilson somehow. That would, if they were on this team in the playoffs, that's different. Totally yeah. different. And maybe it's even addition by subtraction. Maybe you say, you know what? We got rid of Nylander. We're not going to get a Nylander quality player, but we're going to remove that $7 million off the cap. And we're going to get three players who all bring different elements who add up to $7 million. Yeah. Or, or who maybe- all bring the exact same element as each other. Yeah, and they're not Nylander. They're not going to replace his offense, but that's not what we're trying to do here. No. So, no, they got lots some, of offense. They need room. There's going to be some out-of-the-box thinking, but it's just I, I didn't think we are going to be in this situation. Uh, when the Leafs beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, I thought everyone's job was safe. Uh, you could even see it in the handshake line. Sheldon Keefe looked like a lot of pressure was off him. We saw Sheldon, um, Kyle Dubas yelling with Tampa fans. That was obviously taking a lot of the strain. I thought a lot of that was just gone now, and they're like, okay, the Leafs can play. Dubas can just go back to doing what he was going to do this summer. Sheldon Keefe can just continue to grow. Instead, we're at a point where it feels like, you know, back in the early 2000s when the Leafs were just jumping from, like, Dave Nonis to – and Uncle Cliffy came back and was running the team. And there got like Peter Horchek was behind the bench. And you had like Randy Carlisle. And it was just everything was in flux. It never looked like a team that had its, you know, crap together. So it's it's a weird time to be a Leaf fan. So it's a weird time to be covering this team because, like I said, it doesn't seem like a team that just had its best season in 20 years. Well, one thing we can't do is predict anything that's going to happen, apparently. <sighs> no. <laughs> Well, how about this? Remember that question that I asked you, what, after, before the second round, and we took a lot of crap for, who would you rather build a team around, Austin Matthews or Kachuk? Yeah. And we took a lot of crap because we both said Kachuk. Well, how does that look now? Well, it's looking pretty good. (laughs) So Vegas versus Florida, possibly in the Stanley Cup final. What's your excitement level for this series? Well, I have to watch it because we need to talk about it. But aside from that? I don't care. Yeah, Vegas. Actually, you know what? I think it's gonna be a good series. I don't know who I want to win, though. I guess I don't care who wins. I just want to yeah. see a good series. If it goes seven games, and uh, you know, like, part of me is like, I'd like Sergey Bobrovsky to keep. Yeah, rolling. I wouldn't mind to see them win for Bobrovsky, especially after the year he had or the couple years he had. And then the same thing with Matthew Kachuk. Everyone was like panning that trade and. 
I'd like him to get his due. Um, at the same time, you know, Vegas, man, what a franchise. If, well, how lucky would you have to Everybody's be? Everybody's cast-offs and lucky, and they're in Vegas, right? Dude, Where dude, luck matters. Imagine being a Vegas Golden Knights fan from the start, and this is like your life. First year, you go to the Stanley Cup final, and then what is this, the fourth year in the conference final out of six years? And you're going to a second Stanley Cup final. You've got star players coming left and right. One leaves, another one comes in. Hey, I know another team that that kind of happened to, and then they didn't win anything for 56 years and exactly. counting. Who? Leafs. <laughs> oh, you mean in the beginning? Well, that was a six-team league, man. <laughs> Six teams. <laughs> so? Um, what do you mean, so? So there's 30, and they've only been in the league six years. They've already been there okay. twice. What Toronto did in the first little while versus what <laughs> Vegas has done in a 32-team league? I'm, I'm saying to quote Mac, Mike Babcock, <laughs> there's going to be pain. For who? Vegas at some point. They're not going to win every year. But Yeah, but like they don't win every year, but they're, what, final, then conference final, then conference final. Yeah, then and, when final. They, and when they lose, you got the, the you got the uh, oh, well, they're, they're still new in the league. Yeah, but man... We're talking right now, like they're they're a really good team, and they've always been a really good team. Yeah, they're not always going to be a good team, though. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you got to. What throw, are you arguing here? You got to throw some. You, I'm just trying. saying they're gonna. I'm to, they're going to get a 56 years a drought where they don't point. even get past the first round. Basically, I was trying to. Uh, that and, was me crapping and, on the Leafs. And your only reason for believing this is because Toronto sucks. Because Toronto sucks. Yeah. Okay, that's your argument. <laughs> yeah. Remember, because I'm, I'm the because other markets don't do this. You know that, right? I like, know that. Like the Boston market, they nope. have successful teams. Chicago, successful teams. I'm going to guarantee. Tampa, Florida even now, Carolina. I'm going to guarantee there's 26 or 27 teams that don't even know who their GM is. Never mind care that he got fired. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, although, I don't know, like. I know who the GM of the Leafs are and the Jays. I don't know who the GM of the Argos is. And I think that's the... <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> so if they have a I GM. I guess it depends on how much you care about the sport. And that's the funny thing. Like, we talked about George uh, Richards about this. Is uh, It's the worst time for the Florida Panthers to make it to the final. Is the same year that the Miami Heat are going to go to the final. Yeah. Basketball trumps all down there. Yeah, and uh, I think they're up 3-1 on the Celtics. Um, probably going to close things out. And, yeah, it, imagine, if, you know, what if they went both? Wow, what a year for them. Here's something to look up. When was the last time that the Stanley Cup final have two teams that both got there for a sweep? Yeah, it's been just an awful conference final. Like, between uh, Florida, Carolina, and Vegas, and Dallas. Like, it's just been like, it, The conference final always kind of sucks. It's two, two, one, and five overtime. That's why I said, periods. man. First round, make it a best of seven. Second round, best of five. Then a best of three, and then just winner takes all. That'd be it's summertime be cool. now, man. I don't care, that'd but be cool. So, all right, we're gonna bring on uh, Greg Strong. He's uh, he's arriving to the studio shortly. And first uh, in studio. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. He's got his uh, he, he's got his pulse on not just the Leafs, but all Toronto sports. And he can kind of tell us about, uh, you know, if you're a Toronto sports fan, should you uh, jump ship and become a Jays fan? Or maybe it's time to go Argos and uh, go that way. So let's go right down to uh, our live guest. 
All right, we've got a guest for today's episode. Uh, In-studio guest. Pleased to announce our first in-studio guest, Gregory Strong from the Canadian Press, longtime sports reporter. How are you doing there, Greg? Good, Mike. How are you, bud? Pleasure to be on. Yeah, well, I wish we could be talking about better times for you know Toronto sports fans right now, but... As we were, you wrote an interesting article here, uh, quoted myself in it, uh, just about the tumultuous, did I say that right? Tumultuous? Tumultuous. Tumultuous. Well, you're the writer. That's I guess har- you can write it, but reading it's a different yeah. thing. Well, uncertain times. How about that? <laughs> uh, uncertain times for not only Leaf fans, but Raptor fans and Jays fans. I thought we were going to be possibly celebrating two championships uh, this year with the Leafs and the Ra- or the Jays. Turns out we're talking about you know blowing things up for... Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Jays, last time I checked, were dead last in the standings. And uh, the Raptors, looking for a head coach, don't know what direction they're going in. What do you make of this, Greg? Well, Toronto is a unique sports market for sure when you look at all the Canadian centers and uh, expectations are always sky high. Yes, I mean, the Maple Leafs, a uh, you know for the Leaf Nation, a crushing second-round exit and now big questions existential you could argue with regards to the core four mm-hmm. and uh the front office drama it's it's off the charts in general you know the other canadian or the other toronto sports teams you know kind of mediocre but certainly not getting it done the raptors you know mediocre season the blue jays yes they're in last place it's early of course of the major league baseball campaign and of course after i write that article they go out and beat tampa bay 20 to 1 but uh you know, they, they could still certainly uh, turn it around and uh, and get into the playoff mix. And, of course, yeah, the Toronto Argonauts, uh, it's kind of the hook of the uh, the story. There's uh, the one the one bright light in this market is the uh, the CFL team, the reigning Grey Cup champions. Toronto FC really struggling. The Toronto Arrows really struggling. But this is a hockey town at the end of the day, more than any other sport. And uh, big questions being raised, Mike, as uh, we witnessed firsthand uh, not too long ago. Yeah, I don't know where they're going to go. Do you, do you have any idea, Johnny? The Leafs, you mean? The Leafs. <laughs> like, let's let's focus on the one that really kind of, you know, pushes the needle. The one, the one that's been making it. You know what's funny? After that, that four overtime game, I said, you know what? The Leafs are going to do something dumb today just to overshadow the fact that that game almost went five overtimes, and that's exactly what they did. Well, what was the dumb part in your mind? Well, all the GM crap. The crap. Right? <laughs> <All> the <GM laughs> what does that mean? Now? What's the GM crap? Well, first of all. Um, Dubas kind of shot himself in the foot, didn't he? I don't know. What are you talking about? You don't. You didn't watch any of it. No, but what no. do you mean he shot himself in the foot? Like, well, do you he kind of had it locked you think up he and exited then, himself. Like, do you, I think he, I think he exited himself. That's what Brendan Shanahan said. He said, "Well, you said you might want to do something else. You might not want to do this. You might want to spend time with your family. You're not all in. You're gone." Yeah, it was like watching. You guys watch Succession. I don't know if you watch that TV show. I watched a little bit of it. it it's just like power struggle politicking behind the scenes, uh, everyone stabbing each other in the back. And I, I talked to a number of people uh, after Dubas's press conference where you're saying he shot himself in the foot, and that caught everyone by off guard. Mm. Like, no, like there was a script that everyone was following that day, and Dubas went completely off script. And I don't know if he was, he did it on a whim or if there was some sort of strategy behind it, but where, where we stand right now is, a team that everyone was kind of saying, okay, this is the year they're going to win a Stanley Cup, and hey, let's celebrate the fact that they finally slayed a dragon. Now they're talking about who's going to run things. Are they going to trade Austin Matthews or re-sign him? Are they going to trade Mitch Marner? 
or William Nylander, who's going to be coaching the team? These, these are questions that shouldn't be, <laughs> we shouldn't be asking after the year they had. The ebbs and flows, Mike, of this team are incredible. <laughs> I mean, think back to that first round where they finally got like the overtime win they were craving. They were taking control of a series where they were being outplayed. They were getting big goals and big victories in games they had no business winning. Yeah. This is a new Maple Leafs. Like, what's happening? This is not what uh, Toronto fans are used to. And I remember before round two, the before game one, they had a practice on the off day. And I remember Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan, Jason Spezza, just leaning over the railing, enjoying a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm like, this is a new, this is, these are new times yeah. here with the, uh, happy with the Maple Leaf. Happy family. Leaf Nation is strong. They've got the eighth seed Florida Panthers rolling in. This appears to be a winnable series. The Leafs were favored by many odds makers to actually win the Stanley Cup at that time with the eight teams that were remaining. And boy, I mean, the Valley that uh, the Leaf fans are now in, it's uh, its really something. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a fresh wrinkle in a uh, in a sports team that continues to deliver the content. Is what? that is that the new level for a good season now? At least we were favored at one point to win the Stanley Cup. Well, <laughs> they, they won around, Johnny. Like, yeah. I, I know the bar is low, but at least they did something that hasn't been done yeah. since 2004. And, and Greg, like, how long have you been covering not just the Leafs, but you know Toronto sports? How far do you go back? Yeah, about JFJ twenty era. years. I mean, I'm I'm not. Uh, we have our, our main hockey guy, Joshua Clipperton, who handles the Maple Leafs. I go in in a pinch hit, you know, scenario from time to time, and then certainly help him out at times for big games. Um, but yeah, twenty years. Okay, in sports. So, so you were there for JFJ, yeah, John Ferguson Jr. You were there for Brian Burke, Dave Nonis. Uncle Cliffy, Cliff Fletcher 2.0. Yeah. yeah. Um, am I forgetting a guy? Like, it, it's been a, a, like a terrible run these past 20 years up until the point where they got Brennan Shanahan, who goes out and gets Lou Lamorello, who then, you know, passes the baton over to Kyle Dubas. It, it was finally looking like, hey, Toronto is now attracting star players, star talent. You had Mike Babcock coaching. You had Jason Spezza, like you said, up in the press box now. Uh, running things on a, f- a front office end. You had a succession plan. And now it's like, are, are they going to go back to the whole, like what Peter Horacek coaching this team, what g- grasping for straws era? Like the, there's some dark days in the past that, you know, I don't know if a Toronto sports fan knows what could happen in these next like couple years now. I think it's an, certainly an unsettling time for Leafs fans just because there are so many unanswered questions right now. Who's going to be the new GM? Is Sheldon Keefe going to remain as head coach? And what's going to happen with these uh, pending roster decisions? That being said, I do think once there is a GM or an interim GM in place, and I imagine that will probably happen sooner rather than later, then I think you can kind of take a deep breath and fans can kind of look at the next month and say, okay, we're going to be all set for the draft. We're going to be set for the July 1st decisions. Let's not forget, there's a a great core in place with this team. Mm This is a team that's had a ton of regular season success and appears to be, you know, primed for success in the next few years, given its current roster situation. So I don't think it's as, uh, I don't think, you know, fans need to be as nervous as they might be. It's just, you know, whenever there's a big change, like a GM on the way out and a new one coming in can be a little unsettling. 
How many other hockey markets really even know who their GMs? I was just going to ask you, John. Right? I was going to say, like, <laughs> do you care who's running yeah, the team, me. or does that not even factor into Toronto, you? Toronto's like the only city that cares who their GM is. It went. It was the same thing with the Blue Jays when Alex Anthopoulos was here. He was the only GM in baseball that anybody even knew. So there's an example though. But Alex Anthopoulos, uh, Anthopoulos again. Like just, <laughs> I'm having trouble with these names, but uh, he's doing great since leaving Toronto. Yeah. And now you're looking at Kyle Dubas. He's already met with Sidney Crosby. Like the reports that he was already in Pittsburgh meeting with Crosby. Is mm-hmm. this going to be one of those ones where, like Alex Anthopoulos, you're kind of going, "Geez, w- what did the Leafs, you know?" Bid farewell to. Well, here's the thing: was he fired, or was he just who was, Dubis, or was it just announced he wasn't going to have his contract renewed? Is he even allowed to go? He, he had to get permission, and he he was granted permission because okay. his contract runs out at the end of June. Yeah, just like a player, like July one would be his free agency, basically. So he wasn't fired. It was just we're not going to renew your contract, and that's the thing. Like all the reports, like was it money? Was it autonomy? Was it family? Well, was I heard, it he I heard was trying that, to get Brandon Shanahan's job? Yeah, I heard that when the agent came in on the Thursday, they wanted he wanted more money than they had agreed on originally. I was heard that he was given um, an option where it was going to be a few million dollars less, but he was going to get access to uh, Tannenbaum's private jet for whenever he wanted to go on like a little mission, uh, like watch a team here and there. <laughs> that's that's a nice that's a nice perk. It's better than flying first class. I mean, who knows what's really going on with these things, right? I mean, you hear what you hear at the news conferences, at the availabilities, but who really knows for sure? You know, like, it's not like uh, they're taking an hour's worth of questions here. They're often, you know, making their statement, taking a few questions and, and moving on. The other thing, too, is when you do have that GM title, I mean, who's actually making the calls? And this isn't just a Leafs thing or a Blue Jays thing. It's just a pro sports things. Mm-hmm. There's so many uh, front office guys in the mix you know, men and women who are making decisions on these things, whether you're the team president, the GM, the president of hockey ops, the director of player personnel, like whatever it is, everyone's got to say. And, you know, the, the GM title, like, you know, I'm not sure it has the jam that it once did. He's just the guy that puts his name on the paper. It's like right. the, the assistant to the GM. So when is Brendan Shanahan going to make himself GM? <sighs> well, he's, that's the thing. Like the Shanahan, the Shanahan plan has been going on for what, like nine years now? And the five-year plan? Yeah, and that's the thing. When you know, I heard this argument from a lot of fans is like, yeah, give me a core that includes Matthews, Nylander, Marner, and Morgan Riley, which is what Dubas was gifted, and ask me how many rounds I'm going to win in the playoffs. And if it's one, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to ask you to fire me. And that's <laughs> the thing. Like, like what was the what was the bar set at where you'd be uh, as a Leaf fan happy where you're saying, okay, Dubas did a good job. Like wh- what did he actually accomplish? He signed John Tavares and he made the playoffs, which they were making the playoffs and they won around. Well, by definition, and you can look in the dictionary, a Leaf fan is never going to be happy. Well, until you win us down the cup. And then what? Yeah. I thought the big <laughs> thing with the Leafs is that, you know, there's all this talk with the core four and Morgan Riley and all this stuff and what's going to happen to me the bigger question is the goaltending. And they really seem to roll the dice on Murray, Samsonov, and Wall at the end there. They didn't go out and really address what was their need. I mean, they needed a number one goaltender. And you can argue whether Murray or Samsonov could be that guy. But to me, this is not like Curtis Joseph of yesteryear or Ed Belfour. No. Where you've got, okay, we've got a number one. We've invested. Here we go. 
to me, it was more, you bring these guys in and hope it works out. And given their injury situation, you know, didn't really work out, but you know, to me, that was kind of a, a glaring issue that perhaps has not had the same juice as the core four in their future. Yeah, I think he was hoping to outscore the goalie problem. Well, let's go around here. What do you think the biggest need now is in the summer? Like this team is probably going to be without a head coach, is without a general manager, and has some decisions decisions to be uh, made over Matthews, uh, whether to trade one of the core four. What, what, how would you rank them there, Greg? I think they're I think they're in a great position, uh, but yeah, some big decisions to make for sure. Uh, once you get that core four situation uh, settled, then you, I think you'll have some clarity. But you're right. You I mean you need the GM, and then if you do bring in a new GM, are they going to want to bring in their own coach? That doesn't always happen. Uh, where you know sometimes you know kind of gives that buffer where you've got the old coach, and then you can always gas him the next season and bring in your own guy. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, to me, it's all about the GM, interim GM, and then you can let the dominoes roll. Yeah, I had, you I had, Shel- you know, I had Sheldon Keith fired after game two in the first round. Yeah, yeah. Well, he got out coached and yeah. he won the series despite being coached. But how about you? Like, what, what do you think? Do you think uh, the GM is more, most important right now with the, the, the Matthews contract looming? Or well, I think the GM thing's easy to fix if Shanahan just makes himself the GM. He's not going to do that. I know he's not, but that's the easiest way. He knows the team, he knows the players. It's not even an option, apparently. Really? Yeah. The options are right now is to try to poach Doug Armstrong from St. Louis uh, or poach uh, Eric Tulski from Carolina, who's basically looked at as a, a Kyle Dubas light. What about Trey Living? Uh, he's an option, and Ray Shiro should be an option. I don't know how close of an option he is. Like, Ray Shiro, remember, is the guy that uh, you know won a cup with... Uh, Sid Crosby and mm-hmm. those guys, and uh, uh, went to New Jersey, drafted Jack Hughes, and then you know a lot of that team, a lot of the successes because of what Ray Shiro did. I honestly, if I'm going to rank him right now, I think the Matthews thing is the most important. Mm-hmm. Whether it's one of those names I just mentioned uh, uh, running the ship, or if it is Shanahan, or if it's like uh, Shanahan's younger brother or whatever, um, number one right now, you've got to get Matthews on board. Because if he leaves, it's just going to be a trickle-down effect. I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw in Calgary. Can you imagine this team without Austin Matthews? It'll be a laughingstock if the Leafs manage to blow that. Thoughts, Greg? (laughs) I mean, Austin's obviously a huge piece, and I think they, uh, you know, will do whatever it takes to get him signed. He's obviously, you know, his uh, his resume speaks for itself as far as uh, individual accomplishments. Um, Hasn't had the playoff success, obviously. But yeah, you've got to get that done. But I think first up, obviously, you got to get the GM done. And are we sure that Brendan Shanahan is not really kind of the the GM? Yeah, and maybe that's what Johnny is kind of alluding to. Yeah. Is like he's his he's hands are got, on the steering wheel. He's just right. got to call himself the GM and get the deals done. I, I don't know what deals he blocked of Kyle Dubas because apparently that was a report is that uh, Dubas wanted to do some things and he had to pass it by Shanahan, who had to go to the board and get that passed over. But I don't know. It's a similar situation as like a lot of teams now, where the president is now the GM, like what you were saying before. Yeah. All right, last thing before we let you go, and again, thanks for coming on, Greg. Who, who wins a championship first, Jays, Raptors, or Leafs? Oh, the Toronto Blue Jays, I think. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I'm. Uh, that's my uh, my usual beat, and uh, I really like the the pieces, the core that they have in place, um, 
And I mean, of course, there's talk. I mean, we're talking about Austin Matthews here. What's going to happen with Vladdy Guerrero and Bo Bichette? They've got, uh, you know, they could be extended uh, and that could happen, geez, anytime in the next few months or, or next season. Certainly going to be a talking point as we move forward. But uh, yeah, I mean, great core. They're big spenders. They've got, uh, you know, great vibe down at the park. I don't know if you've been down. They've got all the rentals down. down. Already, yeah, yeah 41,000 now. It's like a little more. Yeah, it's just a good vibe. Um, the team, you know, not doing as well as they would have liked in the early going here, the first quarter of the season. That being said, there's still four or five games over 500, and they're in a powerhouse division. So I think the last place thing is a bit of a, you know, a unique one, just given the strength of the AL East. So to answer your question, Mike, I'm going Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Well ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I got Jays too. You got Jays too. Yeah, yeah no, no way Raptors win, and who cares about the Argos? The Raptors but. are a little bit of a mess <laughs> right now too. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, this is Greg Strong. Uh, you can uh, find his work in the Canadian press. And again, when you write for the Canadian press, you're basically your work's everywhere. So uh, easy guy to find uh, for the Hockeyverse. That was Johnny Legend. I'm Michael Trikos, and we'll see you next time at the rink. Thank you for listening to the hockey verse if you enjoyed this show please share the love by subscribing leaving us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen and by introducing the hockey verse to your friends and family also be sure to check out the hockeyverse.com while you're there sign up for our newsletter it's specifically written for you the diehard fan from insider news to opinion and analysis, our NHL-focused newsletter will entertain and equip you for the conversations of the day. We thank you for your support. And until next time, this is the Hockeyverse. Hockeyverse.